seat, grab your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, uh, and while you do that, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray today that you would speak to us through your word. We know that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and correcting, for rebuking and training in righteousness. And we know, Lord, that you want to speak to us, that you desire to speak to us every day. And that, God, I pray that it would just be the hunger and thirst of our heart to seek you and to seek you more and more in your word. And that, Lord, we would build our lives upon the foundation of that, that we know that everything that's built upon something else is like a house that's built upon the sand. But, God, when we build our lives upon your word and being obedient to what you've called us to do, that we are a house that's built on a rock, that when the storms and the trials, the temptations of life come, that we can stand and we can stand firm because we have built our life upon you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have your Bibles again, turn to Mark chapter one. Mark chapter one, we are continuing uh, our series that we started last week called Remarkable. Um, and what we're doing is we're jumping in or, or going through uh, the book of Mark over the next couple weeks. I say couple weeks for the next uh, little while. And I wanna encourage you with this. I want you to know what's going on right now. This is not just us going through this. This is over 300 churches in Kansas City are currently going through the book of Mark. It's called 1KC. You can go online and check it out. But I also want you to know that there are also 300 churches overseas that are going through the book of Mark as well. And it's uh, leading up to Easter Sunday, uh, or really through Easter Sunday as we do this. And so I'm encouraged to know that there are at least 600 churches around the world that are going to be going through the gospel of Mark at the same time. Uh, And it's something that I, I believe that God wants to use in a great way. I want you to ask this question, uh, and, and I want to see how many of you have really been paying attention. I don't know how many of you have been staying close or, or staying up to date on your scientific journals lately, uh, but just last April, 2020, uh, scientists recorded the first cosmic blast within our Milky Way galaxy. They recorded it, all right? This is the first cosmic blast that they've seen in our Milky Way galaxy ever. As a matter of fact, they called, or these cosmic blasts are called fast radio bursts, or FRBs, uh, and here's a picture of an FRB. Looks pretty cool, doesn't it? Right? Like, I look at it and I go, oh, all right, that's an FRB. (laughs) You want to know what an FRB is? There's an FRB. But it looks pretty cool, doesn't it? Right? But, but here's, here's the reality. They're called fast radio bursts, and these bursts vanish, listen, in just milliseconds. But they are the brightest signals in the universe, and they're powered, listen to this, by as much as 500 or the equivalent of 500 million of our suns. That's how much power is developed or, or, or powered by these things, over 500 million of our suns. So like if you can think about how many times you've gone out in the summer and it's been 100 degrees out and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. It's so hot. Now if you could imagine 500 million of our suns, 500 million, think about that. Not, not 500, 500 million of our suns. That's how much power comes out of that. Matter of fact, if you were to go home and start looking up, I was, I was Googling more and more about this, and I was blown away at the things that take place. As a matter of fact, this particular one originated about 32,616 light years away. Now think about that, 32,616 light years away, 
and this is the closest one that we have ever recorded. There are further ones out that they have recorded, uh, but that's close. As a matter of fact, uh, when I say close, it's very close because the closest birth burst before that one was over 400 million or 490 million light years away. Now, here's the kicker, and here's really what I want to get to. All right, no one knows knows the source of these bursts. No one knows where those bursts get their power from. Some wonder, as if I do, and if I really say to it that we know where those bursts come from because the truth of the matter is that God in every form and fashion is saying, I am making myself known to you in every way I can and in every way to reveal myself to you. And so we think about these fast radio bursts or these cosmic blasts that take place. And I want to ask you this idea. Last week, we started talking about the kingdom of God, and we we talked about the various kingdoms around the world. We talked about the size of the Mongol Empire. We talked about the size of the British Empire back in the days. Then we talked about Chief's Kingdom um, last week that just kind of fell flat for some reason. But, well... (laughs) They did make it farther than Denver, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock that. So so it is what it is. But I want to ask you this question: What is it like to wield power over things, or to hold power over certain individuals in certain settings? What is it that makes you see or experience power? As a matter of fact, as we look at these fast radio bursts, I want you to begin to think about this, that I believe that sometimes God is experiencing or trying to show us his power through things like this, but yet oftentimes we settle for a glimpse of power or our idea of Jesus' power, and it more looks like this. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus was all-powerful and all-knowing, but how many times do we approach Jesus and we go, yeah, Flannel graph Jesus. Yeah, Jesus meek and mild. Yeah, Jesus. And so today, as we jump into Mark chapter one, I want you to be, I would say, enamored or overwhelmed or encouraged by the power that the Lord has and what he's going to do. So in Mark chapter one, starting in verse 21, and listen, we're gonna go through the end of the chapter, but I'm not gonna read it all at once. We're gonna read these first six verses and then we're gonna jump in to the main idea. In, 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 in Mark chapter one, starting in verse 21, it says this. Uh, they went out to Capernaum. This is Jesus as well as the guys he had just called, Andrew, uh, or Simon and Andrew and James and John. And it says, they went out to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Now, I think this is ironic and yet at the same time encouraging because listen, this man who was possessed by an evil spirit, where did he go? To the synagogue. He went to where he was hoping he could find help. He's looking for the answers in life. And so this man who is possessed by an evil spirit is in the synagogue. And as Jesus shows up to teach, here's what happens. This man possessed by an evil spirit cries out. And listen to what he cries out. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. 
Now, listen to what Jesus says. Now, everybody in the church in, in nowadays would, if a person was to walk into the church and cry out, who are you? And what do you want with us? And if the pastor was like, hey, you shut up, everybody would be like, oh. But basically, Jesus tells him, hey, shut up, be quiet. Now, he's not telling the man to be quiet. He's telling the spirits that are inside him to be quiet. And so Jesus says, be quiet, sternly. And then he orders the demon out of him, come out of him. And the evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. And listen to what happens. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? In other words, what the heck just happened? People were walking out of church, walking out of synagogue going, bro, you didn't, you're not going to believe what just took place. I just saw it with my own eyes. And they say, a new teaching and with authority. He even, give or, he even gives orders to evil spirits, and they obey him. And news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Last week, we talked about the establishment of God's kingdom, and we talked about how Jesus came to bring about this radical kingdom of God, and he calls us to repent and believe. If you read Mark chapter one, he says that. Listen, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And now what we're going to see is that Jesus is walking out into his ministry after his baptism. He's going to do some great things. And what I want you to understand is this key idea that Jesus has power over over all things, over everything. So he's going to show that he has powers over evil spirits. He's going to show that he has powers over sickness and health. He's going to show that his need for prayer, and then he's going to show his, his power over the health of an individual who has leprosy. And so here's what I want you to know. Today, as we dig into understanding and seeing the power of God at work in these stories, I want you to understand this. If you remember anything, you remember this, that Jesus bursts into his ministry with authority and power never experienced before and likewise never seen even to this day. That Jesus, when he bursts onto the scene, into this ministry, he bursts onto the scene with power and with authority that had never been seen or experienced before. And here's number one, Jesus burns onto the scene with authority. Listen to what he says again. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught with them or taught them as one who had authority as, and, or, or sorry, as one who has authority or had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Now here's what's important for us to understand. Jesus is in Capernaum. It was an important town in the northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee. It was on the main road between Egypt and Mesopotamia, right? This main trade road that took place. And Jesus goes into Capernaum, and what is a common practice is that when a rabbi or a teacher shows up in a synagogue, that visiting or guest teacher or preacher is a, a, a person who gets to speak. Matter of fact, when I was in Mexico, um, or sorry, Romania, if you go into a Romanian church and, they, and you, you're like, hey, I'm a pastor, you better be ready to preach. Like, it doesn't matter if you're visiting. Like, they're, oh, you're a preacher? You, you got to get up and preach. And so for those of us in America, what you don't begin to understand is it's not that the pastor who's got his sermon prepared all of a sudden sits down and doesn't preach. You're just getting preached at twice. 
right? And like, you better be prepared. I remember, I remember one of the first times we got to this little town, it's this little village called Kopachen in Romania. And in Kopachen, there's this gypsy village that we go to. And this church is literally probably no, no bigger than from here to the wall and about as wide as the stage to that pillar. That's the whole church. And they have worked blood, sweat, and tears and sacrifice to get this little church built. And it's filled with about 30 people. And I show up, and the pastor's there, and I'm not supposed to preach because we're supposed to have another guy, one of our other pastors from our church that was supposed to preach. We had these all broke down. Well, he was meeting with some other churches and ends up getting, like, delayed. And so they looked at me, and they're like, hey, you're up. And it's like, I, I, I got to pull a sermon out from somewhere. And I get up and preach. And listen, this is exactly what Jesus does. Jesus walks into the synagogue and he's ready. Remember what Jesus was wanting to do, what he was talking about doing. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near, repent and believe. So Jesus is preparing everything as he's entering into this ministry. His goal and desire is to preach the word. And listen, when he preaches, he preaches with authority. Why does he preach with authority? Because it's not just that someone gave him the authority, but rather he already has the authority. How does he already have the authority? He's the creator of all things. He's the sustainer of all things. He is the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the author author and the perfecter of our faith. He is the one who creates every one of those individuals, but yet at the same time, he is the one who is going to die for every one of those individuals. He's the one who's going to resurrect, offering life and life more abundantly to every one of those people he preaches to. And so Jesus' authority is on display even over, listen, the powerful evil spirits that were there. And so listen, when we talk about this Jesus bursting into his ministry with authority and power never experienced before, we have to understand this, that even in the midst of that place or that situation and setting, that Jesus is still in the active part of his ministry with authority and with power even in our lives today. That when Jesus speaks, that's the way things go. That when I follow obediently after what God has called me to do and what he lays out in scripture, then that's the way that things are supposed to go. That when I walk in disobedience to God, that I'm going to reap the consequences of walking in disobedience. But when I walk in obedience, I reap the benefits of walking in obedience. And listen to what happens. I love, I love to see or just kind of imagine if I was in the synagogue at that point. I mean, I'm going to put myself in Romania. If I was to stand up in Romania and I began to preach and some dude goes, what are you doing? What do you want to do with us? Like my first thing would be like, whoa, like I got to back up here. I don't know who this guy is. What the heck's wrong with him? Right? Not Jesus. Jesus walks into the synagogue and with great authority, and with great power, he preaches the word. And while he's preaching the word, the demon shrieks. What do you want to do with us? And here's the beauty of the story. That anytime Jesus comes into contact with somebody who has sin or a sin nature or has evil that's going on inside of him, there is a decision that has to be made. That decision is I walk in obedience with the Lord and I run after him, repent and believe, or I turn and walk away. And I walk in the bondage of slavery to sin and to Satan throughout my life. 
And listen, the demons acknowledge Jesus' power and authority. Matter of fact, in James chapter two, it says this, you believe there is a God or you believe there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. The question is, what do you do with Jesus? How do you respond to Jesus? Listen again what he says. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. And the evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. When I come into and I acknowledge or have a relationship with Jesus, listen to me, there is a battle before I make that decision between Satan and the Lord. And Satan is gonna do everything he can to try and battle for the possession of a person where we're at now, and it may be even a situation or circumstance here. There is a battle for each and every life on earth between God and Satan. And when Jesus shows up, Satan's gonna put up a fight. You know, I talked about this over and over and over again, but this idea of trying to take back enemy territory does not take place without a fight. You don't walk into enemy territory in any country, let alone in a spiritual battle, and think that you're going to try and take back enemy territory and not get a black eye or a, or a broken nose or beat up pretty badly, because there's going to be a battle. And Satan, I can guarantee you, wants to battle in every way, shape, or form to work against the church to work against the method and the kingdom of God. Remember again what he's talking about. We talked about last week how God shows up and he says the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe. And now we're coming to this point where Jesus drives out this evil spirit and what's he calling this person to do? To repent and believe. And so listen, as Jesus bursts into his ministry with authority, we have to see that his authority is granted because he is God. He is God in, in human flesh. He is God, the Son. He is one in three and three in one, each unique, each separate, each part of the Trinity, but they're all working together and different. Number two is this. Follow along in verse 29. Jesus burst into his ministry with authority and power never experienced before. Listen to what happens in verse 29. So here you have Jesus was baptized after Jesus' baptism, he comes out, he calls the first disciples. After he calls the first disciples, he goes a couple days later, he's driving out this evil spirit. After he drives out this evil spirit, he heads over and he meets with Mary, all right, Jesus, or sorry, sorry, meets with uh, James and John, and he goes to the home of Simon and Andrew. Now listen, this is Simon Peter. This is the apostle Peter. And it says that Peter, or Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, he took her hand, he helped her up and the fever left her and she began to wait on them. And here's the beauty of that. That in the midst of the sickness, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the despair that's going on, we don't know what all this meant. There are some that says that it was talking about this idea of a, a demonic or evil spirit, but it also could just be the fact that there was a sickness that she had to deal with. But he goes to her, he took her hand, and he helped her up. Think about this. Did he say anything? No. He walks over to a sick woman. He takes her by the hand, he helps her up, and what? All of a sudden, she's fine. All of a sudden, she's well. And then here's what's crazy about it. 
You can imagine the people who would be sitting in the room talking about it, and they see her healed, they see her made well, and it says that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and, as well, the demon-possessed. And the whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases, and he drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Now, the gospel, is Mark, the gospel of Mark is built on a secret, secrecy idea, right? The gospel of Mark plays it out like this, that everybody around Jesus doesn't really get the big picture, but everybody who's reading about the story should get the big picture, right? Mark carries this out, and a lot of times it's easy for us to look back and go, man, you know what, I didn't, I didn't. we can look back at the disciples and go, man, these guys just didn't get it. But how often in our life do we not get it? How often do we miss the big picture? How often do we not see exactly what Jesus is trying to show us and the good news of what he offers? See, Mark sets out to display the all-sufficiency of Jesus. Jesus casts out a demon, but then he heals a loved one that leads to more healings of those with diseases, that he drives out more demons, and, the, and, and that he would not let the demons speak. Think about that authority. Like the first demon speaks out, Right? It's like, what do you want to do with this? But the next one's, he's like, no, you guys aren't going to do anything. It's like this idea of get the heck out of Dodge, you know. It's the old statement we used to say, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. When Jesus is casting out these demons, he's kicking them to the curb and not giving them a voice. And so what we have to begin to understand is this power and authority that is on display in the life of Jesus is something that is still, according to it, listen to Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So here's the authority, and then the power comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, and he says to go and make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, to teach them everything I've obeyed them, Right? And he says, I will be with you to the end of the age. So the same authority that Jesus stands and preaches in the synagogue where he drives out the demons, the same authority and power where he takes the one by her hand and he heals her is the same authority that is at work, the same power that is at work in and through the power of the Spirit working in as Jesus works in our life. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's what Mark wants to clarify See, here's the truth. <laughs> I think about this. Listen, Jesus went out and he took her by the hand and he helped her up. In today's world, let's just put this in a contextual idea. We're reluctant to touch people or talk to people or maybe even be in the same room as a person who won't wear a mask. We are reluctant to touch people who are ill. We don't want to hurt them, but but we're afraid of catching some disease or some virus. And Jesus says, listen, all authority and power has been given to me and I can heal the sick. And so listen, I'm not talking about you going out and being the person who's gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna heal coronavirus. That's not at all what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is this, that we should see the majesty, we should see the authority, and we should see the power of Jesus at work because Jesus is the one who heals all of those things. Number three, I want you to see this. That as Jesus bursts into his ministry, as we look at the authority and power that he has in his life, I want you to see this because I think oftentimes we overlook at this, that Jesus shows the importance of prayer. 
I believe one of the biggest struggles that most believers struggle with is this, that we want to do great things. We want to serve in great ways. We have great ideas, but yet, listen, most of the times, those great ideas, those great ministry thoughts are fed and fueled by a passion to just continue to keep doing instead of praying. Listen to what he says in verse 35. Very early in the night. No, very early in the morning. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Imagine this. The one who has all authority and all power just did what? He prayed. Why? Like he's got all authority and all power. Why would he pray? Because he needed it. Because you and I need it. And so he goes off to the solitary place where he prays, where he unites his heart with the Father, where he seeks the Father's will. And listen, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, listen, everyone is looking for you. Can I tell you what I've learned in ministry? Do you know what happens with ministry? Ministry never stops. Ministry's always needed. There's always someone in need. There's always somebody who's got a hurt, that's got a desire, that's got a need. And listen, Jesus didn't go, okay, I guess I gotta sacrifice my prayer life so I can go and do the ministry. No. Jesus prayed so that he would go and do the ministry to the full extent that it could be done. And listen, for you and I, that should speak volumes that when we want to do or when we have that desire or that calling, when God is leading us out in to do a ministry, that we seek the Lord in prayer first and foremost because that's where we get our power. That's where he is going to unleash his authority in our lives. So he says, everyone is looking for you. And then listen to what Jesus says. Jesus replies, right? Like everybody has come to this house. They were showing up at this house. I'm sure at some point in time, the night has come. Jesus is like, I'm going to bed. He gets up early in the morning. He goes and prays. But now all of these people are coming to be healed. And what happens? What does Jesus do? Where does he say we're going to go? Let's go somewhere else. Well, wait a second, Jesus. All these people are out here. They have needs. They have desires, they have wants, they need healings, they need demon possessions or, or demons to be exercised and things like that. But he says, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Here's, here's the kicker that you can begin to apply to your life. You could spend a lot of time serving in one particular person or in one particular group, and there's always going to be a need. It's kind of like this. The Bible says that we are to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. If I focus only on Jerusalem, am I, am I disobedient to the other three? Yes. And Jesus is almost showing this in this aspect right here. 
Were there people who still needed the gospel? Were there people who still need to hear? Were there people who still need to be healed? Were there people who still needed demons cast out in that area? Yeah. But there were also people where? In other areas. In other locations that needed to hear. And so Jesus makes the priority through his prayer life and he allows prayer to be the heartbeat and the center and the priority in everything he does. Why? Because Jesus is preparing to go preach in more places than just one. Therefore, he's got to pray. So my question would be is this. Corey Tinboom said this a long time ago. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Because I believe a lot of times it becomes the spare tire. We wait until the tire goes flat. We wait until we have a blowout on the side of the road. And then we're like, oh, we'll throw the prayer on there as a spare tire rather than the prayer being the steering wheel that directs where you go who you serve, how you serve, and what you say. So Jesus shows his need for prayer. And then number four, Jesus exhibits compassion. Listen to what he says in verse 40. Listen to what Mark says. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And listen to what happens with Jesus. Filled with what? Compassion. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. And Jesus says, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. And I love this part. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and he began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. All right? Jesus exhibits compassion. Matter of fact, I want you to think about this. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 88, it basically it says this, that Jesus uh, saw them like sheep without a shepherd, and so he had compassion on them. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And here is the question. In the midst of everything that has gone on over the last year, in the midst of everything that may be taking place in our current cultural climate and context of everything that's going on, there is something that takes place here where Jesus wants to touch and heal a person. And listen, Jesus is willing. He says, you can be clean, but yet we live in a world where we're so afraid to be around other people, to respond to other people, to interact with other people. And I'll be honest with you, COVID has made a lot of people feel helpless, small, vulnerable, uncertain, distrusting, cynical, fearful, and exposed. It has exposed just how little control we have over our lives. And Mark wants us to understand that Jesus is the only one and the only way that can heal us, that can save us, that can cure us, that can help us move forward. See, our economy, listen, our economy continues to sputter. 
We have people without jobs. We have people who are homeless. We have people who are in need. We have people who are walking in fear. We have people who are scared to death of what could or could not possibly happen. We have continued to see more and more hatred and vengeance rather than compassion. And the simple fact is Jesus looked at the people with what? Compassion. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And listen to me, what I see in today's cultural climate, what I see in our context is people who are harassed, who are helpless, who are sheep without a shepherd. And I'll be honest with you, I believe that we have a lot of fake Christians. We have a lot of people who are fake in following what Jesus has called us to follow. Because compassion, not there. Fear, driving everything that we do. And listen, there is a point in being wise and there's a point in being obedient. But listen, here's what happens. As a result of Jesus' compassion, as a result of Jesus' healing, as a result of Jesus listening to the fears and worries of this individual who's just saying, all I want to be is to be clean. And Jesus says, I am willing to make you clean. And he does it. Listen, Jesus tells him not to go and tell other people. And what happens? I can't shut up. Right? Like when something good happens to somebody, they don't shut up. They're not going to be quiet. It's not like, oh, okay, I'm not going to go tell anybody. This dude just made, I mean, think about this. This guy's on his deathbed, leprosy, highly contagious. You don't touch anybody with leprosy. Why? Because you get it. And leprosy is a death sentence. You break out in all these nasty sores. I mean, you know, we can put ourselves in the context of, of COVID where you can get sick and get dead because of everything that's going on. But listen to me, leprosy was a lot more contagious and Jesus goes and he touches this man and he's willing and he makes him clean. And this guy's like, man, I can't shut up. I cannot be quiet about this. I have to let everybody know. And as a result... It says that Jesus had to stay in the lonely places. But listen to me, it was all still a part of God's plan of establishing the kingdom of God here on earth. And Mark is big on communicating that. So hear me out when I say this, that the church of today cannot stay silent. That when we were given the compassion of Jesus, we can't sit back and be quiet. We have to stand firm. We have to love those who are harassed and helpless, who are like sheep without a shepherd. We can't get so bent out of shape that we begin to go, well, you know what? You can just go down your narrow road and think of your closed-minded ideas. No, we have to respond with compassion. The church of today, listen to me, has been hit just like every other industry in our world. The average church in the U.S. today experiences 36% of attendance of what we had prior to COVID. We've seen multitudes give up on gathering and some who are really aren't just into attending or doing anything at all. Online is good, but at the same time, we have to have interaction and connection. You and I were not made to walk through life alone. And so hear me out when I say this. This is not a political statement. 
This is a question that I have to ask and we all have to ask ourselves. Do you believe that God has the best out for you? Do you believe that God has every day planned? Do you believe that he has numbered every one of your hairs? Do you believe that he loves you more than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field? Do you worry and stress and fret over everything that's going on in in our society? Because if you do, the only one you can go to is the one who has all power and all authority. Matter of fact, I'm just gonna say it this way. Stop listening to everything else. The Bible is very clear that people will surround themselves with people who tickle their ears in the end times. The Bible is very clear that there are going to be people who are going to be compassionless. They're going to be treacherous, rash, conceited. The Bible is very clear that we're to be wise, a serpent, and innocent as doves. The Bible is very clear that we need to put Jesus and Jesus first and nobody else beyond that. The Bible is very clear that we build our lives upon the truth of Scripture and that everything else should take a secondary glance. And listen to me, we're living in a world right now that everybody says, look through the world at the Bible and then filter out what the Bible says when the truth of the matter is that we use Scripture as the glasses to look through and we look at everything else through that. And so hear me when I talk about this. When we talk about having power over all things, That Jesus' power over all things is the only thing, the only thing that we can rest assured on, that we can build our life upon, and that we can rest on the promise that God says, listen, not only do you have my power and authority because you have my spirit living in you, not only do you have that, but he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, I... I know that we're living and I know there's going to be some who are probably going to say something negative about this sermon. But that's okay. Because I can tell you, based upon what I see going on, based upon talking to pastor after pastor after pastor after pastor, that I believe that there is a great separation taking place in the church. That there is a filtering taking place. That God is to a certain extent based upon circumstances and situations that are happening in our cultural climate, that there is a filtering, a separation of the wheat and the tares, that the chaff is being blown out. And hear me out, it doesn't make it easy. And here's the crazy thing. If people vanish from church over a simple virus, what's going to really happen when persecution happens? Because the truth of the matter is that this isn't persecution. That people have gotten very lazy. It's been easier to walk away from church. It's been easier to listen to news rather than following obediently what God has called. And when we walk away, when you begin to walk away from the very things that God says are primary, the very things that you need to build your life upon, when we begin to walk away from those things, we'll begin to struggle. And listen, here's... Here's what's crazy about this. The mental health of the United States and around the world is depleted. It is at an all-time low. We have more suicide, more depression, and more anxiety, worry, and fear than we've ever had. And it has grown by leaps and bounds over the last year. Matter of fact, let me me clarify. 
in one month, one month, February 15th last year was when the call came down, you're no longer meeting. And we didn't meet for eight weeks. We did everything online. But in one month, it's been a year. Now, let's just be realistic. It went from no mask to mask to now they're saying two masks. Next thing, we're going to have four masks. Next thing, you're going to have a bag over your head and we're walking around in a toxic suit. <laughs> right? Okay. Can, can I say, can I, I'm just going to take a little bit of freedom here, I guess, to a certain extent. I'm not saying not wear a mask. My question is, when do we stop letting fear dictate how we're going to respond? Because we can't let fear, the fear of the unknown, the fear of the future, the fear of a disease, the fear of a virus, the fear of any of that, we can't let that stop. Listen, we can't let that stop our lives and the proclamation of the gospel. Please hear me out when I talk about this. This is not a political statement. This is the fact that we continue to let Satan win at a game that is really a game in reality. Listen, we can watch news all day and we can talk about all the deaths. We can talk about all that stuff. But the simple fact is that the church as well as other industries have been ground to a halt out of fear over something that in reality we have no control of. I don't control it, and you can't control it. And the question is, do we continue to progress and move forward, or do we allow something to hold us back? And I would venture to say that if you're disagreeing with me, that's okay. I don't mind. I would venture to say that oftentimes we allow fear to stop us it could be fear in finances. It could be fear in job. It could be a fear of the future. It could be a fear of a potential disease or a virus. It could be the fear of what others think. But 90% of the time, when the gospel stops moving forward out of our mouths and out of our lives, it's because of fear. And Jesus sets the stage with his ministry because he basically says, listen, all, all the authority and all the power belongs to me. And if Jesus has the best out for my life, then I believe that Jesus is going to give me the best. However many days that is, however my life looks. The funny thing about this is Peter's wife, or sorry, Peter's mother-in-law was healed. I was doing some reading, and we know that Peter was crucified upside down. But there is some history books that are believe that Peter's wife actually was martyred before Peter. And that speaks volumes to me about how Peter and his wife were sold out to the gospel regardless of what it cost. That Peter to the point where his and his wife's relationship with Jesus was so strong that his wife was martyred first speaks volumes to say, because we look at Peter and we go, man, that guy was a bold follower of Jesus. What about his wife? We don't hear nothing about her in Scripture, do we? You don't really, First Corinthians, there's a little bit of a mention about her. But what 
is it about that? And what is Jesus calling us to do? Because it could cost you. And that's the simple truth. Here's how we're going to close. I'm just going to pray and we're going to be dismissed. Our offering's going to be back at the back. We'll have our offering place back there. You can choose to give online. You can give in person as you want to go with that way. But I want to pray that you and I would understand, listen, the great authority and power of Jesus as he works here, he wants to work in our lives as well. Father, we pray today that God, we would no longer be sitting on the sideline. That maybe there are some who have sat back and waited patiently and listen, I know what it means to be wise. I know what it means to listen to science and and things like that. But Lord, I also know what it means to be an obedient follower of Jesus. That I don't sit back and remain silent. That I serve those who are in need. That I love those. I can speak with great love and with great grace. That I would have compassion on those who view things differently than me. That God, though, I would stand on the truth of the gospel. God, let us, the church, be the ones who stand out with great hope and with great expectation, that we would walk with faith, that you would give us the words to speak, that we would love those who view things differently, that we would serve those who view things differently, and that, God, we could stand on the truth of the word, and that you would call us to continue to follow you obediently. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.